You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. So one of the one of the greatest joys that I have um, in my life is developing leaders. And so when you look at the role that God has given me here at FMCC, one of the primary things is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so how we train and equip those that are around us um, is, is super important to us here at FMCC. And so uh, for the last two weeks, we had two of our members, uh, Mark Cook, who is the, the director of Mark Ride Nature, um, and then Gene. Uh, and so we had them get up and share the word of God. Um, and we have something at our church. Uh, we call it a pastoral residency. That name may change in the future, but um, it's a, a specific training ground for young men who desire to be a pastor. Um, and so one of the guys within that leadership development pipeline, his name is Jose Santana. So Jose and Ashley have been a part. They're going to start waking their way up. Um, and Jose and Ashley have been a part of our ministry uh, for a while now, and God has been doing a huge work in their lives uh, and through their lives. And uh, the move up to Fort Myers from where they live down in Estero has not been the easiest, uh, to say the least, but, but it's been amazing to watch them faithfully walk through this season obey the calling of the Lord, which is hard. Sometimes we think God calls us to do something and then it's just going to be all cupcakes and rainbows as we like do it. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, and so they've experienced different a different season um, adversity, but it's been amazing to watch them depend on the Lord through this season. Um, as Jose has been exploring his calling and um, I have been uh, blessed to sit under Jose's teaching numerous times. We do something um, called a preaching challenge where our, our pastoral residents will deliver a sermon in front of a group of guys and then we'll talk through it. And um, so I've sat under teaching there. We've had a worship night where Jose has taught um, and he's taught here at FMCC a couple times uh, too. Once here, once on here. stage, yep. Um, and years. so uh, I'm really excited for Jose to have the opportunity to bring the word of God to you as we're in our series in the Psalms. So what I want to do is I want to pray over both of them, um, and then Ashley's going to read the passage for us, and then Jose's going to take it away. Sound good? I'd encourage you to be really encouraging to Jose. Uh, this is probably one of the most difficult things to do, to come up and proclaim the word of God to a group of people. So please, afterwards, make your way over to them, give them a hug, and let them know how much you love them. Let's pray. Jesus. We thank you for Jose and Ashley and their family and their amazing kids. Um, God, uh, I just pray blessings over them, Lord, that you continue to help bring them to a place of rest um, in, their, um, in the craziness of life and um, bring them to a place where they uh, feel like they can uh, operate um, and minister to their community and to the world around us um, with confidence. Um, thank you for Jose. I pray that you would um, work through him. God, that you would speak through him and that your spirit would transform our hearts and our minds and our souls. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We are going to be in Psalm 90. I'll give you a second to turn there. If you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles in the back or there's a very handy dandy Bible app that you can download. I don't know how long it would take right now, but for next time. All right, Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. 
Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or a watch in, a night, in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all of our days pass away under your wrath. We bring, your, bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet in their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. Thank you. We're here for my wife, Ashley. Yeah. Without her encouragement, um, I don't know that I would be doing this, so... Uh, I'm so grateful for her. Uh, Bill kind of did my introduction for me. Um, a couple more things about myself. Uh, we have, this is my wife Ashley, we do have four children, ages nine to 12. Um, one of them just raised her hand, the other one waved back. So um, they're here uh, and I'm excited uh, to have them here this morning um, as I think this is not only a message that um, God has put on my heart, um, but it's also for them, it's for you all, and I, I hope that you are as encouraged this morning as I have been as I studied and looked at Psalms 90. Um, outside of the things that we do at church, um, I'm a firefighter full-time down in Collier County, um, and I enjoy that, and part of the, the, the struggles in life right now is I feel like I'm a part-time contractor at our house, um, just doing, fortunately, uh, it hasn't actually always been damaged, but it was uh, just some things that we're updating, and uh, it's been a long year trying to transition and move and be here, uh, and I've learned a lot to just find rest in Jesus and rest in his work and not my own. So we've been in this series, uh, Unsearchable, and that comes from Psalms 145, verse three, and it says this, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. The word unsearchable, that's the series we've been in, it's defined uh, simply as just unable to be clearly understood. And that's God. God is got these traits and these things that we see throughout Scripture, we see in creation, and we don't always understand it. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I get angry or something happens, I don't always have love and compassion, and, and I'm not fully in that, but God is. He can have all these traits and they all at the same time. And to me, that's unsearchable, and that's what makes him worthy to be praised, worthy to be worshiped. Uh, Mark uh, Cook, when he was here the first week, brought a great quote, and I'm just gonna put that back up here, and that's from Evelyn Underhill, and it says this, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshiped. So 
don't let the unsearchable character traits of God worry you or make cause fear and things in your life. Let that be a reason that we worship a God who is far greater than us, he's bigger than us, he can do the things that we can't do and that's where we can find rest because we can put our trust and faith in him. Um, so far we've had two, two weeks of this series. Mark Cook did a great job unpacking Psalms 23 and that the, the Lord, our God, is our shepherd. He's a God that, has, uh, that guides us and leads us through our life. He leads us in paths of righteousness. He causes us to rest. Um, he gives us these green pastures. Uh, and then Gene last week did a wonderful job um, unpacking God as the righteous judge, right? We always wanna think of God as this love and compassion. He is all that, but he also is judge and he has to judge sin because he's a holy God who can't be around sin. But I think I get the most exciting one to share with you. Uh, at least I feel that way from preparing. Um, and this morning we're gonna be looking um, at Psalms 90 and we're gonna see the dwelling place, the dwelling place that God has provided and it's a dwelling place for us from that judgment that God has. So before we fully dive in, uh, let me pray for us. God, you are holy. You are righteous. You are far above us. You are unsearchable. Um, God, I pray that we would just understand you a little more this morning and in your greatness and in your unsearchable traits that we would just realize that we can find rest in you that we don't have to work, that it doesn't rely on us to get everything done, but that you've done the work, you've provided that work, you've provided a dwelling place for us to rest and find shelter. And I pray that this morning as I speak that it's not my words coming out, but it's just what your spirit has done in my own heart um, as I've prepared. Um, may you be honored and glorified as we look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're gonna focus kind of on first one real quick, which um, just says that, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. So to dwell, dwelling place, to dwell is in there. At its root just means to remain in, to reside in, to keep attention on. Some synonyms are abide, stay, and remain. So those could be words that we translate. All right, so when you think of a dwelling place, I need some feedback from you. What are some traits of that dwelling place that you think of? When you wanna to go to a place and you wanna dwell, what are some traits you want that to have? Safety, peace, a, what'd you say? A bed, comfort, did I hear that? All right, say A jacuzzi, we're getting there. So a place that is refuge, what do we have? I heard another one. A pool. We're, we're still waiting, almost a year later. <laughs> uh, so dwelling places, we find joy and peace and rest. We find refuge from a storm. They're strong, they're everlasting. Those are things that we would desire them to be. So now what are some places and some things in your life that you Call or you think of as a dwelling place. We had jacuzzi, we had a pool. What would be some other things that you rest in and find peace in in this world that you, you think? A home. Now, I would say 
with that, sometimes if you have a family of kids, it's not always the most peaceful and joyful place, but sometimes it is. And at the end, I think we, we get there, and that's just a little joke. But right now, with construction and all the crazy stuff in my house, it's not always peaceful and joyful and, and all, but that's why those things and the things of this world fall short. Um, some other things that might be a safe place or a, a dwelling place for you might be a, a vacation spot, a home that you go to. Uh, maybe it's a, a bunker. If you were up north and you had tornadoes, you have the spot that you run to and go. It's a safe, um, strong place that you can find refuge. How about our money? Do we find our dwelling place and our money and wanting to gain more and think that we're gonna find comfort and peace and joy in making more money? How about retirement? We all save, we all think, oh, one day I'll get there and I'll be able to just rest and relax. But then what happens if sickness comes? What happens if the market crashes and things fall away? Do you still find rest and peace in these things? Some of us find it in our work. We go to there because we get um, good feedback and we love the people, the people love us there and, and we just find that we can pour our heart and uh, feel safe and we find uh, joy when we work. But that joy also goes away. We get older, we can't work forever. How about people? You might be a student here this morning, or you might just love the people that you're around in your neighborhood, and you want to fit in, and you want to be loved, you wanna be cared for by these people, and you want them to care for you, to build you up, and to encourage you. But guess what? Some people, and I think we've all experienced it, they're not always gonna be there. They're not gonna build us up and they're gonna let us down at times and we're not gonna find peace and joy in people. So a little bit of background on the story and I kinda wanna spend a little time here. This is Moses writing. If you don't know anything about Moses, but I think this will build on the rest of this and get to our main idea. Moses is writing, or he has this prayer, they write it down and it's believed that Moses writes this after they received a consequence. So a little bit about his life is he was born um, as an Israelite and they're in slavery to the Egyptians and his mom um, at the time has to hide him in a basket because they're killing um, Jewish uh, boys, the Israelite boys, because of fear that they were growing in number. And so they, his mom sends him down the Nile River in a basket and he's picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and they, um, they, she asked to, be, to raise him, and he's raised as an Egyptian, and throughout his life, he knows that he's an Israelite, and at some point, he becomes angry as he watches his people be treated wrongly, and in that, he commits a murder, and he has to flee, and he's gone for a long time, and he comes back, and he goes, God calls him back to Egypt to lead his people out, so they lead, he leads the people out, um, of Egypt through plagues that God um, provides uh, sh shelter for, the, for his people and they're out. And so I want you to think about it. He's witnessed this, the Israelites have witnessed. As they leave, they're being led by fire and by a cloud. God is leading them to where to go. They've experienced the Red Sea be split um, so that they can walk through and get safe passage from the um, Egyptians but then they're in the wilderness and they're wandering, they're going through. Does this feel like anybody's life so far? We're just kind of wandering through, good things may happen and then we kind of get lulled and that's where they're at, they're in a lull. They're getting, God has promised them this land 
that they will dwell in, and it's a good land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. They're super excited, right? Think about retirement. We're super excited about that point in our life, but it takes longer than they expect, and they get word back when they um, go in and they have uh, some spies that go in and look at the land. They, they check out the land and come back with great reports, but they, are, they become fearful because of how great the army and the people that are already there. And there's a group that don't believe that they'd be able to conquer that. So the Israelites start to question, why did God bring us out here? We're better off in Egypt. And they start to just grumble and complain. They begin to worship other things besides God. They are just going away. And and Moses is here for all this. He's leading the people. Um, And then at some point, God has had enough and he gives them a consequence for their actions, and that is that that generation would not get to experience this promised land, and that they would all die except for two, and they wouldn't get to go in, so they get to sit and wander in the wilderness for all these years, and Moses, imagine him being that, so this is written in that season, it's, expect, it's believed that that's when it's written, and Moses has almost this thing as he writes it, as if he realizes that God himself is the dwelling place and not the promised land that, we, that he expected, that the Israelites expected, and how true that is for us, right? We might look to things of this world, but they're not, though they may seem good here, they're not gonna be everlasting. They don't provide us peace like God would. Maybe you even look at heaven, you're like, that's the end goal. It's not heaven. It's the fact that you get to be in the presence of the holy God who created you and loves you and cares for you. Moses and us, he realizes, we should realize that our soul needs a dwelling place. We have so much toil in life. We need a place to dwell and find refuge. What do we need a dwelling from? Well, our own sin and the God's judgment for that sin as Gene did a great job explaining. And this is, to me though, the unsearchable characteristics unsearchable characteristic of God is that he is fully a judge and has to judge sin, but in his love, in his compassion, in his mercy for us, he provides that dwelling place, that shelter from his own judgment, and that God-provided dwelling place is all we'll need for all of eternity, and that's found solely in Jesus, and that's the main idea, the main point for this morning is that Jesus is our dwelling place. Those who call Jesus their home find rest. So I'm just gonna look at two points this morning. First one being this, uh, that man, the man-made dwelling place, and then we're gonna look at the God-given dwelling place. So first, the man-made dwelling place. The man-made dwelling place comes from our attempts to build favor with man, maybe to build our own securities, build more status. Maybe it comes from us working because we want to build more favor with God. We think we can be a good enough person to find this peace and security and joy that we all long for. I want you to know, like, I struggle with this. I even struggle with that even leading into this morning. One of mine is, that I want people 
I want to satisfy people, I want to work, I want you guys to, to be uh, encouraged by this message. So even this morning, even things as I'm preparing, I'm nervous to come and speak to you, it's because I want people's acceptance versus just resting and just sharing and glorifying God this morning and what he's teaching me through his word. I don't know if that's, that's you this morning. Maybe you struggle with just thinking that you, if I get to this goal in life and I'll find it, guess what? We're never gonna find it. All that is focused on self and that brings up that the man-made dwelling places are rooted in sin. If we look at verse seven and eight, it says, for we are brought to an end by your anger and by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in light of your presence. Our sin is what causes this selfish, this desire for us to be comfortable and peace and find peace. It's, it is God-given, but we look for it for ourselves. We don't look for it to glorify God. We desire, right, I desire your acceptance, and it becomes self-focused if we're not careful, and that's sin, selfishness is sin. We're focused more on the created things, ourselves, versus the creator. He's the one that provides the dwelling place, and when we want, when we make our own ones here on earth, it's rooted in sin. The man-made dwelling place, secondly, is temporary. It doesn't last forever. If we look at verses five and six, we see that you are swept, swept them away as with the flood, and they are like a man, like grass that is renewed in the morning, and in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and it withers. We are temporary, we're like a dream, is, that's described here. We're like grass, right? This Florida heat, it's really hot, and I don't know about you if you don't have a sprinkler system. When we don't get rain for days, our grass starts to get withered, and it doesn't look very good, right? Well, that's us. We die. We can't live forever. We're like a dream. Our life's gone just like that. But we want a dwelling place that is forever lasting, but we can't provide that because we ourselves are temporary. The man-made dwelling place brings trouble, it brings toil, as we see in verses nine and 10. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. And the years of our life are 70 or even 80, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but a toil. Lifespan is a toil. It's in trouble, and they are soon gone, and we fly away. A dwelling place is supposed to be one of peace and rest, but yet when we work and we try to create our own dwelling place, we struggle, right? As I am going through these construction projects in my own home, and I'm sure some of you experience this in your life, you work and you get tired, you get angry, you're like, why is this happening? And you forget the goodness of God, and you forget these things and you're building your own dwelling place and it's gonna fall short, it doesn't find rest and that's not a worthy dwelling place to be. The man-made dwelling place is build, filled with uh, futile efforts. We're never satisfied. We always want more and at the end of the day, we 
as we create our own things, whether that's through work, people, money, whether it's just trying to work harder to earn more um, favor with God in the church, whether it's that, it falls short. We are not holy, and that's what God needs. He needs uh, holiness, and that's only found through Jesus' son. He provides that for us. Us, when we try to build our own life, it's like building this tent, so bear with me if this goes wrong, but so, (laughs) my kids, so, when I think of this, and as I was trying to come up with an analogy, I was thinking, imagining God's wrath as like a F5 tornado, something crazy, like strong that's gonna come. His, his judgment will come. And if we try to work in our own strength to be holy, like he's holy, we're gonna fall short because we're not, we sin. And one sin separates us from that. And as we build, the things that we build here on the earth are like this tent. And it's like God's, Judgment is coming, and we're like, all right, uh, this is my home. This is what I want to dwell in for this storm, and this is what I create. This one actually looks pretty nice. We probably really couldn't even create anything this nice into God. And I don't know about you. Does anybody want to hang out in a tornado in this? No? I, I wouldn't. I would not. I would want something strong, right? I want to go to the safe bunker, something that's going to protect me, um, that I can find rest in, knowing that I'm sheltered. And that's the beauty of God's mercy and love for us, is that we have a God-given dwelling place in Jesus. And we're going to look at the things of this God-given dwelling place now. It is a strong refuge. Jesus is a strong refuge. And he's been given by the creator of all things. If we look in verses two and three, we see before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. God has the ability to create. He's created all things. He's created us, he can take our life, he's the one that gave us life, so wouldn't we want to take his dwelling place? This isn't gonna protect us, his dwelling place is strong, he's provided us Jesus. The dwelling place that God gives us is everlasting, he's the keeper of time. If we look, if you look through verses one through four, we see it a couple times, right? Moses says, that God's been a dwelling place through all generations. He calls God the everlasting to everlasting. It's like a thousand, a day to him is like a thousand years to us. I mean, I was trying to think that we're halfway through the year, so somewhere around like 180 to 200 days, and that would have been like, as it's described here, that's like almost 200,000 days. That's how quick time could go to God. God doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, he is time. He understands time far more than we. And if you think our year's gone quick, that's how time is to God. And so the dwelling place that he provides us through Jesus will always be there. It's everlasting. It doesn't go away. In God's dwelling place, he gives us wisdom He gives us wisdom to number our days, we see in verse 12. See, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Moses is asking God, 
to give them wisdom, teach them the numbers of days. Well, in Jesus, we find that. We can find rest in him, and it teaches us to realize, hey, our dwelling place, the things that we try to create, they're temporary, and they can never be a worthy dwelling place, so I can find rest in Jesus and realize I don't need to keep building. So he gives us wisdom. He also satisfies us. His dwelling place satisfies us with his love, we see in verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. God's love satisfies us when life's falling apart, when everything's going wrong and nothing's working out. You've experienced sickness. You've experienced death. You've lost everything. God can still satisfy you because he's all you need. He's the only dwelling place that we need. And he leads us in that to rejoice, to be glad for all of eternity. We see in the back half of 14 and then in 15 that we may rejoice and be glad in our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. So Moses is asking, man, all the years that I've struggled and suffered, I'm just asking for uh, us to rejoice. Well, that's what is given through Jesus. Jesus gives us the opportunity to rejoice and be glad because we know this home is not our own and we get to be in eternity with our Savior and our Father God forever and ever. And we can rest in that. We can find joy for today, right? We can find joy for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We get to see God's mercy when we are in his dwelling place. In the dwelling place of Jesus, we see God's mercy. If we look at verse 13, it says, Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Moses is asking for pity. Well, we know on this side of the Bible being written and, and we know that Jesus has come. God's mercy for his people is there. He guided them this whole time, even in what we're reading, but now we see the finished work that is Jesus. He was provided by the Father to meet the requirement that we couldn't. And so, in God's mercy, from his judgment, the things that, that we fear, we, there, there's no fear in that. God has provided our safety. He has provided the things that we need and we don't need to. We get to see his loving kindness and his compassion through his mercy. And finally, the God-given dwelling place, because of all these things, provides rest. Does anybody want to find rest this morning? I mean, I desire to rest. I think I've just been running so much this year and I've missed some of what I'm teaching. This has been uh, just great for me personally to see. Um, in his dwelling place, the work's already been done. We don't have to keep working, right? I think if we see in verse 16 and 17, this is kind of like the, the last chant and I would let this sit. This is, uh, was pretty big for me. It's like, let the work be shown to your servants. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Jesus is that finished work. God provided it. Jesus came 
He lived the life that we couldn't, the life that we may be trying to live that's good enough for God, which won't be. Jesus did it. He lived the life. He died and paid the penalty for us that we, so we don't have to, that God needed this judgment. He needed to, to pour out his wrath. Jesus took that. He did that. And he rose again, conquering sin, death, the grave, so that we don't have to do those things. We will experience death on this earth, but that is nothing because we, those of us who follow Christ, have faith in him, will experience eternal life with God, our Father. And God, Jesus continues to do the work through us. And I struggle with this, that I wanna do the work. I wanna work harder so that I can earn more favor with God, with man, I want to be more comfortable and think that I'm gonna create this. But no, God is the one that does the work. Jesus did the work, God provided it, and he's the one that's gonna work through us in our own life to spread this good news that God has provided us a place to dwell and to find rest in. So that's, that's the, the key this morning. Jesus is our dwelling place. And I hope that you would find rest. That's the conclusion, find rest. There's nothing more that you or I can do. There's nothing that we can add. Psalms 127, I think, does a great job expressing that, and it says this, that unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to rest late, eating the bread of anxious toil. Anybody anxious in life at times? For he, God, gives to his beloved sleep. He gives us rest. This doesn't mean, though, that we don't do anything. I'm not saying today that we don't do anything and we don't do good works, but that doesn't come from our own strength. That doesn't come from us pulling up our bootstraps and saying, we're gonna be the kindest person today and I'm gonna provide 10 steps so I don't do that sin anymore. It's not that. It's not us working harder. It's finding rest. It's abiding. Remember the synonyms? Abiding is the same as dwelling. We wanna abide in Christ. And John 15, I think, gives us an example, a great reminder of that is, Jesus says this, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears fruit, or much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Does anybody desire to show the fruit of the Spirit? I do, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Can anybody do that on their own? No, that's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And the only way to produce that fruit is by abiding, dwelling in Jesus so that his Spirit can do the work, and that provides rest. That means I don't have to keep striving harder to do my own work. 
we don't have to strive harder because Jesus will work through us when we spend time with him. Instead of waking up in the morning and running to go do something, do we abide and sit before our creator God and spend time with him and pray and talk with him? I think there's two people here this morning, two kinds of people. And the first is this, you may be sitting here this morning and the band can start coming back up with this. Um, There's two kind of people here this morning. There's those that have put their faith in Jesus or there's those that haven't put their faith in Jesus as their dwelling place. You're still trying to do the work on your own. You may be here this morning and you're like, I've never put a dwelling place and you're working Man, I just work for that retirement, or I'm gonna work and I'm a good enough person and God will let me in to heaven at the end. That's, that's not what scripture tells us. That's not what we see. We need to find our dwelling place in Jesus alone in his finished work. But then there's those of us, this is me, who I've, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus and we've made him our dwelling place but we still try to do the work on our own. We're either striving for earthly things and we think that we're gonna find peace in our money and our retirement and people. Maybe you're striving to put more, to get more favor from God. I'm gonna be a good enough person. That's not it. Don't strive to do more for the kingdom. Our strength And the things that we do will come from abiding in Jesus, dwelling in Jesus alone and allowing him to work through us. So I just think there's a simple response this morning is this, find rest in Jesus alone. And two questions to think about for that is, is Jesus your dwelling place? And if he is, are you still striving or are you resting let's pray God I just thank you for your word um, and what it does um, and that it transforms hearts God I thank you for first transforming my heart and just um, desiring to rest in you and not keep working and trying to do things on my own And I pray that that is the case for somebody here this morning, that if they've never put their faith in Jesus, that today would be the day that they would find rest in a dwelling place that's done all the work and that they can find shelter um, and peace and joy when it doesn't even make sense. God, and those that are in this room that have made you their dwelling place, I pray that they would find rest, stop striving for the things of this world, stop striving to do more for you and may they just rest in you. May they spend time with you so that then they may go out and share this good news of Jesus, this God who loves them, who provided a way for them. They don't need to strive anymore. They can find rest in you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.